Hi there. How are you? It's Eric Erickson here. Glad you're with me this fine third hour of the program on this fine chilly Monday here in the South. Y'all, can I just as an aside, my wife's favorite time of year is fall. Uh, I don't particularly care for fall back. I, I would prefer to stay on uh, daylight saving time and have uh, later, brighter evenings. I mean, look, I, I'm looking out the window of my studio now and you can already tell it's uh, live on air right now, 2 p.m. Eastern time, 2.07 p.m. And, and you can tell the sun's already starting to get low in the sky. And, and I don't like that. I, I do not. I, I despise that. 90 dark days, 90 dark evenings. I want the sun up in the evening, and I would prefer to have daylight saving times. There are always those curmudgeonly people, in the morning, and I want the sun to go down early. I keep my baby warning. You should have standard time all year long. The only time we should have standard time is 4th of July, where you can actually shoot your fireworks earlier in the evening. Daylight saving time makes it till you got to be late in the day to shoot your fireworks. But... Having having uh, brighter evenings, I, I would enjoy it. Uh, front porch Sunday nights, it would the, the sun goes down later. It, it would be great, but nope, 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 nope. Congress wants to play God with the time. But all that being said, I prefer spring to fall as my favorite season. My wife loves fall. Most people like fall, <clears throat> but I do love the color of the leaves. I was in North Georgia last week, weekend before last now, and the leaves are changing colors. The leaves outside my house are changing colors, and it's just, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful time of year. It is. And then they fall, and the leaf blowers have to come out. And that's the downside. But we should move on. We got to talk about some raw politics here. Things are bad for the Democrats. Things are, are bad and getting worse. And I, I I've got to... Make sure you are clear on something here because this is really important. Now, here is Steve Ratner, who worked for Barack Obama, talking about oil production in the United States. So the president's talked about OPEC increasing production. We have the potential here to increase production as well. We can drill oil wells down in Texas that come online very quickly. We can drill gas wells up in Appalachia. They come on even more quickly. Gas, natural gas prices, as you know, are set domestically, not internationally. Natural gas has gone from $2 to $5 during this period. Is the president in favor of, in the short run, our drilling more wells in America to provide more oil and gas for the American people? He's not. And this is what you have to understand. Your high gas prices, the fuel at the pump, the cost of a barrel of oil, is directly related to the policies of the Biden administration. This is by design. The Biden administration cannot now admit it is by design, but they were admitting it was by design prior to the election with their advocacy of the Green New Deal. The left believes they need to shape the supply and demand curve to reduce supply of oil so that the price per barrel goes up in order to then reduce the demand for oil. It is an artificial adjustment to the supply and demand curve by government policy. The Biden administration killed the Keystone XL pipeline. 
They have rescinded leases for drilling on federal land. They've blocked further production in the United States, and they want us to pin it on OPEC because they want the price of a barrel of oil to go up because if that price goes up, your ability to buy it goes down. The problem is that it doesn't just affect the price at the fuel pump. It affects the price of beef. It affects the price of poultry. It affects the price of milk. It affects the price of grocery items in general because it costs more to deliver those items to grocery stores because last I checked, we don't have battery-powered 18-wheelers right now. So they have to put fuel in their car or in their 18-wheelers, and those go to the store, and that price slowly trickles down to you in the form of increased costs. It was all foreseeable. It was all predictable. It is all a part of the policies of the Biden administration. You now have the Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, telling people, yes, you're going to have higher energy prices this winter. That we need to move to renewables. We, we need to move to solar and wind. Again, in Texas, they moved to solar power and wind power. And when the ice storm hit last year, they were in the dark and people froze to death because they did not have the baseload energy capable of being able to flip a switch and meet the demand. Wind power and solar power come on when the wind blows and the sun shines. If the wind doesn't blow or they freeze, which they did because the Texans didn't buy ones that wouldn't freeze, but even so, there were those that didn't freeze and the wind wasn't blowing. It was very cold, but the wind wasn't blowing, so they generated no power. And the solar had ice and snow on top of them. They didn't generate power. And you didn't have enough coal plants or nuclear plants. In the left does not want nuclear power. They don't want nuclear power. They want solar and wind. Because they're not really serious about this. I saw someone earlier say they'll believe that all the, the Gen Z kids are really serious about global warming when they give up Bitcoin because of the amount of energy used to produce Bitcoin. Now, where does all of this go? Well, here's Jennifer Granholm with Dana Bash talking about the price at the pump. So according to AAA, the national average of gas prices is now $3.42 a gallon. Bank of America is predicting crude oil prices could soar another 50% by next June. Could the average gas price in America be $4 a gallon in the United States soon? Well, we certainly hope not. Uh, the, as I say, the Energy Information Agency is going to put out their forecast this week. The president is all over this. Of course, every president is frustrated because they can't control the price of gasoline because it's a global market. Um, he can call upon increased supply, which he has done. And OPEC uh, is unfortunately controlling the agenda with respect to oil prices. OPEC is a cartel, and it controls over 50% of the supply of gasoline. So but we were a net exporter of petroleum when Donald Trump was president. So what changed? Well, killing Keystone, canceling leases on federal land, increasing regulation. The Biden administration has made it very, very difficult for petroleum manufacturers in this country to produce petroleum. This is a logical consequence of the Biden administration's policies. It is by design. They cannot acknowledge it's by design, though. Why? Why can't they acknowledge it's by design? Because 
If they were to embrace it and say, yes, we caused this by design, it would hurt them even more at the polling. And what's the state of play right now? This is Chuck Todd on Meet the Press yesterday. So what happened to Democrats on Tuesday goes far beyond the defeat of Terry McAuliffe in Virginia or Governor Phil Murphy's narrow escape in New Jersey. If you look at it from coast to coast, it was a warning to Democrats that their congressional majorities are in grave danger. Yes. Why? Because gas prices. Ultimately, it's an economic issue. But here's a further problem. Economically, it's a cultural issue as well. Because a lot of Americans live in suburbs and rural areas and they commute. The Democrats, as I've mentioned repeatedly, want them all in cities where they're using public transportation. So you're using less cars. So you're producing less emissions. So you're reducing your carbon footprint. But Americans are not going to be cajoled and badgered into moving into cities for cheaper gas. They want cheaper gas. This is having a direct result on Joe Biden's popularity and approval in this country. And the left, which is, again, doing this by design, can't acknowledge it because then they would have to own it. And in this political climate, they can't own it, so they have to excuse and say, it's OPEC, it's OPEC, it's OPEC. Again, every American needs to remember when Donald Trump was president, the United States was a net exporter of oil and gas. The Biden administration policies across the border having the effect that they are intended to have. And the intention is to drive up your costs so that you have to switch to something else. The problem is that the else, the something else, is not ready to come to market. We don't have a chain of battery charging stations around the country. And if you listen to the left, they say, well, it's in the Green New Deal. It's in the infrastructure bill. Why is it in the infrastructure bill? Because what's happening was by design. If you listen to them, they say, well, we need more people in battery-powered cars. Well, people don't have the money. So the left says, well, we put into the infrastructure bill subsidies so people can get them. Why did you do that? Because higher gas prices are by design. Problem is, it's going to roll out over 10 years, not immediately. Americans shouldn't have to suffer that long. So now, what's the state of play here? It wasn't just Virginia. And in focusing so much on Virginia, if you listen to that Chuck Todd clip, he mentions New Jersey. In New Jersey, the Democratic governor came close to losing in a very Democratic state. Why? Because the confluence of all of these events are conspiring to make the Democrats very unpopular. CNN has a poll out that has the generic ballot at D plus 10. For perspective, it was D plus eight in reality in 2018. USA Today has a poll out that has an R plus 10. In fact, CNN is the only poll. It is the outlier poll. All the other polling has the generic ballot swinging rapidly in the Republicans' favor. What do we have to do here? As I've said before, broken record time. Pay attention to the trend lines, not the numbers. Every pollster I've had here to talk about polling has the same thing. Pay attention to the trend line, not the polling. So let me give you the trend line here. CNBC dims plus two. NPR dims plus three. Harvard, or no, NBC dims plus two. Harvard Harris, Republicans plus three. Politico, tie. Economists, Democrats plus seven. CNN, among registered voters, Democrats plus five. Emerson, Republicans up seven. USA Today, Republicans up eight. What is the average? What is the polling average? 
Democrats plus 0.1. Plus 0.1. This isn't good for the Democrats. Obviously not. But wait, there's more. What's the president's job approval rating? The USA Today Suffolk poll has the president down 21 points. 38% approve, 59% disapprove. Again, though, don't pay attention to the number. Pay attention to the trend. If you want to know an interesting data point, USA Today Suffolk has the president's disapproval rating higher than even Rasmussen has, which is a Republican-leaning poll. Rasmussen has the president down 15. USA Today has him down 21. His actual spread in the polling average is down 8.9%. There is only one poll out there that has the president's approval up above disapprove, and that's Reuters, Ipsos, and he's plus one. And that's a poll of all Americans. 48 approve, 47 disapprove. The trend lines for the president and the Democrats are bad. And this all comes back to economic issues, but those economic issues are actually cultural issues. Now, what do I mean by them being actually cultural issues? Well, the culture of America is a car culture. But it's bigger than even that. The democratic culture is one of city public transportation, but it's bigger than that. It translates into worldviews and philosophies moving forward. And the Democrats have lost touch with your average American out there on cultural issues that translates then into making decisions that affect the economy. And across the board from the economy to culture, they're losing the American voter, which means that the ballot box next year is going to be a bloodbath for the Democrats because they are so now institutionally and emotionally invested in cultural and economic issues that are losers with the bulk of the American public. And they're starting to realize that their days are numbered in Washington and it's making them even more hysterical. Y'all, from the moment I sat in my X chair, my body said, this is what a real office chair is supposed to be like. I had, gosh, I had gone through office chairs and then I got my X chair and it is the perfect chair. In fact, my X chair, unlike your chair, can massage my back while I'm sitting doing three hours of talk radio. It can even heat up and cool down depending on my office, which tends to run hot in the summer and cold in the wintertime. And it's all in the LMX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed for the X chair. And once you feel the customized support of X chair's patented dynamic lumbar DVL, they call it dynamic variable lumbar, your back's going to be happy. What I need you to do, you got to go check out the X chair because yeah, I bought the, y'all know the expensive brand and I bought it. It was a good chair. It actually was a really good chair. And X chair takes it to the next level. What you need to do is go to xchaireric.com now. That's X, the letter X chair, E-R-I-C-K.com or call 844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. It's xchaireric, E-R-I-C-K.com. It is worth it. Hello here. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be a part of this here program, I, I got a, a, a few more points here to make because we got to talk about the media and the steel dossier. When we come back, I, I wasn't here on Friday to be able to talk to you about it. I was dealing with the Braves parade 
And we got to talk about it because there's more news and there are arrests and you can get a sense of where people are going. But before I get there, I just, I, I, I got I to gotta try to connect these dots a little more for you. The left in this country has lost touch with most Americans. They have convinced themselves that they're culturally dominant in large part because they do control academia and they do control cultural institutions in Hollywood. And the result is that the left in America has put themselves willingly inside a bubble where everything they do is applauded and praised by the other people in the bubble, and so they presume their cultural dominance. So they now shape American public policy by controlling the White House and Congress in ways that they tell themselves are good, but they've lost touch with society. They've lost touch with what the average American wants. Most of the people, and this is, it is critical you understand this, and I'm not being hyperbolic, I'm not being partisan, I'm giving you the actual truth of the matter. Much, if not most, of the policies that are advocated by the Democratic Party today come from childless, single, secular progressives. They don't know how to shape public policy for families because they don't have one. They don't know how to shape education policy because they are childless and they're not involved in the public schools of America. They don't know how to relate to the American family. It is a real problem for the Democrats right now that they're going to have to try to figure out because they don't relate to Hispanic voters anymore. Do you know Pew the other day released a survey showing with a predominance of skin color among Hispanic people where Hispanics identify their skin color, overwhelmingly white. It is not a coincidence, and I told you this would happen. I told you it would happen after the Virginia election. Glenn Youngkin won over 50% of Hispanic voters. And the Democrats have already come out. So, well, the Hispanics are racist now. Hispanics are racist. They're just like white people. Oh, look, they identify as white people. Democrats were so convinced that they were ascendant. They forgot there's no such thing as a permanent political majority. And in the process, they may have thought they could shape a permanent political majority with the For the People Act, but they can't because Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema won't give up the filibuster. The result is a Democratic Party that within its sphere of influence is convinced it's culturally and politically dominant, but in the rest of America, they're not. Charles de Gaulle said there is Paris and there is France, and they're not the, two, they're not the same thing. Democrats have convinced themselves Paris is France, and they're shaping their policies for it. They've lost touch with America. So they're okay advocating higher gas prices. They're okay advocating restrictions of oil. They're okay advocating wokeism and critical theory and all of these things that make rich white progressives feel good about themselves. But they have become divorced from the reality of the American public. 
of the suburbs, the exurbs, the rural areas, even in parts of cities where there are real families with real parents who have real kids who are trying to get a real good education and they can't because of progressive policies from ending gifted programs in schools to imposing critical theory as part of education to raising gas prices. It's not working for the Democrats. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, you want to be on the show? 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Let's go back to the phones. Paul, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Eric, Eric, I love you, brother. Thank you. You brought up you brought up Keystone XL Pipeline. Uh-huh. Guess, guess what? I am one of the crazy people that actually spent two days reading this thing. And on page 1662, there must be a report of economic impact of the Keystone XL pipeline cancellation that Joe Biden signed on January 20th. And it must be done within one year. So that's January 20th of 22. There must be an economic impact report that, that says what this actually cost the United States to stop this thing. And that's going to be a right cross against Joe Biden's jaw that he's not going to be able to recover from. And I oh, I don't know. I, I, I suspect they'll rig it to make it sound like it, it had no economic impact or some such. I, I, hope, I hope they're on. I don't expect any honesty coming out of the Congress or Washington, D.C. Those are the worst corrupt people in the world. But there is, there's tons and tons of nuggets in this thing. And I, I, honestly, I'm not mad at it. I mean, you, you, you got to hate the Democrats for doing it, but there is a lot of economic in this thing, tons and tons and tons of trucking, and you know half of them immigrants are going to be driving trucks pretty soon. Oh, yeah. By the way, did you um, hear the... the did you hear the story the other day that uh, some major trucking company has sidelined most of its truckers because of COVID, uh, and so we, we've got additional problems. We, we need more truckers in this country. They're coming, and there's a whole lot of money to train them. I hope there's, so. There's a lot of things I didn't agree with, but I, to, honestly, I've read it. I'm not mad at this thing, except for, you know, it's a big waste of money, but the economic impact of it is going to be big. I don't think it's going to pay for itself. It's not paid for. Yeah, oh, no. There, there's, there's no way it will. Yeah. Which is one reason, by the way, that they put this through in um, in economic, uh, that they put it through without reconciliation. They had two thirds. They couldn't put it through in reconciliation because they can't pay for it. And they're throwing money for the next 10 years. Paul, look, I, I appreciate the phone call. Uh, I, I got to move to this. Uh, Y'all, this has happened. The, um, the, you know, they're prosecuting Kyle Rittenhouse in Wisconsin. This is the young man who went to help uh, stop the looting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. He wound up killing people who were attacking him. He did so in self-defense, but the wokes insisted that he be prosecuted. So he is. Uh, this just happened at the trial. Now, there's a larger issue here. And this relates to where I was going to go. This just happened. And because I'm an expert, I can weave in this breaking news with what I wish to talk about. In Wisconsin, Kyle Rittenhouse is being prosecuted because the mob demanded it be so. And the prosecutors came after him. He had no business being prosecuted because it was clearly in self-defense. If you watched even the video that night and now on the stand, 
One of the prosecutor's chief witnesses has just said this. With your arms up in the air, he never fired, right? Correct. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? Correct. So if you just heard that, it's Kyle Rittenhouse's lawyer questioning the prosecutor's witness. It says you, he did not open fire on you until you advanced and drew your gun on him. Correct, the man says. The prosecutor puts his head down and his palms over his head when he says this. Now I need to play you some other audio. This audio is April Ryan. This too just happened a few moments ago at the White House where she's questioning April Ryan, a progressive reporter. She is a reporter for the Grio and a political analyst for CNN. She's questioning Pete Buttigieg and you need to listen to her question. This is important. You give us the construct of how you will deconstruct the racism that was built into the roadways that you talked to the Grio earlier when you broke that information with us. Can you talk to us about how that could be deconstructed? For sure, yes. You don't even listen to his answer. This is a reporter asking Pete Buttigieg, can you give us the construct of how you will deconstruct the racism that was built into the roadways? that why the asphalt is black oh i don't know y'all this all comes these two issues here the rittenhouse prosecution april ryan they come with word that one of the key steel dossier associates igor denchenko a russian analyst who worked with christopher Steele, the author of the dossier he was indicted as part of the Durham investigation. The Durham investigation is that investigation into the dirty tricks played on the Trump uh, campaign. And it is more and more obvious at this point that the Steele dossier was a dirty trick by the Clinton campaign and they fooled the FBI and they fooled the press. You will note the lack of press coverage. Yes, there is a New York Times story about Igor Dushingo being arrested, but there is not a lot of news stories out there in depth about what's going on. Why? Because the media itself got played by the Clinton team. So did the FBI. Now, I want you to take these three different stories, two of which happened today. The Kyle Rittenhouse prosecution and April Ryan's question and tie it to the Steele dossier. It has become far too easy to manipulate the press in the United States of America. The left has figured it out. What you do is you go after the media's left-wing sensibilities and sensitivities. The press did not like Donald Trump. The moment he went down the escalator and started talking about Mexican rapists and running for president and securing the border, they immediately concluded he's racist. 
the young black men and the Hispanic voters who voted for Donald Trump, they're all racist. Anyone who supported Donald Trump, they're racist. We're all racist. Kyle Rittenhouse could be prosecuted by a woke mob because he violated the sensibilities of the media who presumed him to be a white supremacist and racist for going to stop the crime, help stop the crime and looting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. You will recall, I presume, that when word came that members of the police force there were thanking the counterinsurgency people who showed up to help the police, the media condemned the police force in Kenosha, Wisconsin. They condemned the police force for having been kind to Kyle Rittenhouse. And they bullied and badgered and pressured for his prosecution. You get the sense of all of this in the April Ryan question to construct the deconstruction of racism in the federal roadway program. All the racism there. The media is obsessed with race and that you are not obsessed with race means you are the bad person, not them. The New York Times has a story out about what Michelle Wu, she's the, the new mayor of Boston. For the first time in the history of Boston, the mayor will not be a white person who is descended from either an Italian-American or an Irish-American. She is an Asian-American. Her family is neither Irish nor Italian. And the media is heralding this as progress. But have you noticed that as this country makes great strides in combating racism, we've had our first black president. We currently have our first black vice president. We have the first black lieutenant governor in Virginia. First woman lieutenant governor in Virginia. We have the first Hispanic statewide official in Georgia, John King, the insurance commissioner. You had Indian American governors in Louisiana and in South Carolina. The majority of statewide elected Hispanic officials in this country are Republican. The media tends to ignore all of them to highlight the Democrats. But have you noticed that as we make this great progress in race in this country, the voices claiming we're far more racist than we ever knew are on the rise? And the press, the people who make money off of stirring the racial pot in this country are screaming hysterically that we are a racist nation and we haven't fully accounted for our racism. And they do so and can do so because the press enables it, because the press believes it. We've made great progress in this country. And yet to listen to much of the media, we are a far more racist nation today than we ever have been. We have far bigger race relation problems in this country than we ever have, according to the media. And to some degree, we do because they keep stirring the pot. They keep trying to divide instead of heal. They can't move on. The Democrats know how to play this in the press. They played them on Christopher Steele. The media was predisposed to hate Donald Trump as a racist authoritarian tyrant, and the Democratic Party played them perfectly and got them to pursue the Christopher Steele dossier and got the FBI to pursue the Christopher Steele dossier because they knew which buttons to push.
the race buttons, the authoritarian buttons, the tyrant buttons. Now, what's happened? The result of this is that fewer and fewer Americans take the media seriously. A free people need a free and independent press. But we don't have a free and independent press in the United States anymore. We have a press that is dependent on the subscriptions of progressives. The New York Times has bit to the left because the New York Times is turning a profit on the subscriptions of progressive Trump haters. The media bragged about their ratings and their revenue when Donald Trump was president because they had an influx of cash from angry progressives, keeping them afloat. They can't now make those people mad. The New York Times can no longer be a free, fair, and independent press institution because the New York Times has to tell progressives what they want to hear or people are going to cancel their subscriptions. Don't tell me I know what I'm not, uh, don't know what I'm talking about because I got to tell you, when I did not support Donald Trump in 2016, the number of people who thought I was out of a job because conservatives would cancel me was astronomical. People were worried about me. Your wife's got, your wife's got lung cancer. You need your health benefits. You can't afford to not support this guy. But you know what? My audience knows my heart. They may disagree with me at times. But they know my heart. They know where I am. They know my worldview. They know I'm not BSing them. They know I'm not telling them what I think they want to hear. I'm telling them what I think, and they can disagree, and they can call in. But the majority of the American press is held hostage by the wokes these days, and they got to give them what they want to hear, and they can't dare think independently because if they do, the wokes might cancel them, and they don't want to be canceled. They don't want the revenue hit. They can't afford the revenue hit. The entire American press corps is now designed around keeping the wokes happy, except for Fox. And look what the rest of the media does to Fox. They browbeat and bully and badger Fox and try to put Fox out of business because Fox is counter-programming and they can't abide some other media outlet out there telling people something other than what the wokes want to hear because it provides too stark a contrast. The obsessiveness of the media over the last few years of Fox isn't covering this. We are and they aren't. And now suddenly Fox is covering stuff that they're not. And they don't want to point out that Fox is covering something they're not covering. Because it shows the great, great contrast. The media in this country is broken. We cannot be a free and fair democracy when the media cannot be free and fair. And the media is neither free nor fair. It's in the pocket of the wokes. It is my hope that if the left is going to go down this road with the media, that the right stands up some good conservative reporting institutions beyond the Wall Street Journal, beyond Fox. I don't want a conservative ghetto of media outlets. I want good conservative outlets, outlets that are actually dedicated to just giving us the fair, free news, who, what, where, when, why, and how. I don't need your partisan editorial slant. I can think for myself. But the press doesn't want you to think for yourself. They want to control the narrative because they want to control access to politics. They want to be the gatekeepers of information, and the Internet makes that really hard, which is why they're badgering, bullying, and harassing so many people from Joe Rogan to Aaron Rodgers to you and me for daring to not tow a party line that they can't enforce. And that lack of ability to enforce it is why they're using the mob to come after even young men like Kyle Rittenhouse in Wisconsin because they got to do something to control their power. A reporter 
talking to Pete Buttigieg about the infrastructure bill. This is from Mark Thiessen. Let me read you his tweet. A reporter just asked Buttigieg whether there was a way to make sure that the highway funds were not used to widen roads and thus encourage people to drive, which progressives oppose. Again, people, you have a logical outcome here. Higher prices are part of the Democrats' plan. Now, they can't admit it because they don't want you to blame them, but it's what's going on with them right now. They need you to pay higher prices. And by the way, clearly a memo has gone out. Today, the talking point is that if you use the word woke, you're racist, that you're trying to avoid talking about critical justice issues. Alyssa to Mark Warner over the weekend is struggling to uh, identify whether or not the Democratic Party was woke. Across the country, the Democrats, some of these people need to go to a woke detox center or something. Are Democrats too woke, Senator? Listen, I don't support defund the police. Matter of fact, I think you've saw Democrats all around who were successful. The new mayor of New York, who you're going to have on, has talked about investing additionally in our police forces. Are there ways that we need to make that policing more community-based? Absolutely. Um, the, the, the notion of what happened in Virginia, where the, you know, there is not a school in Virginia that teaches critical race theory. Uh, but the governor-elect, Governor Youngkin, um, stirred up the cultural pot there. That's- I hope- uh, notice he doesn't want to answer the question. Problem is they are, and there's so much group thinking, so much of a mob on the Democratic side, they can't be honest. You know what this reminds me of? Reminds me of in communist regimes where the truth tellers are the ones who get executed. The truth tellers get executed and everyone else becomes too afraid to speak up. So the the communist mob makes all sorts of decisions, and those decisions go awry. Watch the watch the HBO series Chernobyl. You got a bunch of people who are too scared to speak up. So the result is things like this. This is the Surgeon General. Listen to him over the weekend. And Dr. Murthy, if the law survives legal challenges, will the administration be extending the mandate to smaller employers with fewer than one hundred employers employees? Well, Martha, certainly nothing is off the table at this moment, but the focus right now is on implementing uh, the current rule that OSHA put out. And finally, let me just emphasize that these rules actually work. What we've seen in a report issued recently was that on average, businesses that put these requirements in place see a 20% increase in vaccination rates. Often, So they may expand the vaccine mandate to small businesses. He won't rule that out. There was a backlash in Virginia. Majority of voters there decided they opposed the vaccine mandate. And yet they want to expand it. The mob is in charge of the Democratic Party right now. The mob. They can't make decisions that help them because the mob is out to get us all. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution if you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business. First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. 
Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 